0: This episode of Boss Barista is brought to you by the Barista League. The Barista League is hosting a totally new event called High Density. It's a coffee conference that's unlike any other you've ever attended. It's totally free, 100% digital, and it focuses on relevant and practical information that you can actually put to use immediately. The event takes place on March 9th, and it features an international program of speakers, including Willem Davies. Kat Melheim, Freda Yuan, Lem Butler, and Vava Gwenny. Some of these folks have actually been on Boss Barista in the past, and I'm giving a talk at this event called How to Be Your Own Advocate. You can learn more about my talk or about the event by registering at thebaristaleague.com. Hey friends, welcome to Boss Barista, the podcast about workplace equity and employee empowerment in coffee and beyond. I'm Ashley Rodriguez.
1: It's almost five o'clock and Darlene and I just realized we haven't even eaten today. Um, It's been such a wonderful day, such a busy day. Um, But we've just been constantly in motion that we didn't even stop to eat.
0: The voice you just heard was from Chanel County co-founder of Standard Poor, a new coffee shop in Valley Stream, Long Island. Chanel reached out to me a few weeks ago before the soft opening of her business, and we decided to do something a little bit different for this episode. I asked her to capture some snippets from those early days of the shop's existence, the moments of excitement, struggle, and gratitude as they happen in real time. The story of how Chanel's business came to be spans just a few weeks in the summer of 2020, starting from the very first time her cousin and business partner, Darlene, posed the idea to the day that Standard Poor opened its doors. Throughout this experience, Chanel has contended with all types of new feelings, many of which we document in this episode.
1: It's been about a week since our grand opening, and I think things finally feel like normal. I guess it's like we finally to think about the business and how we how it runs day to day Um, in our first month so much has happened and it was like the first hurdle was getting to the soft opening and then from the soft opening to the grand opening and all the things we wanted between the two endpoints (laughs) it's actually kind of funny to see or to even think about how much we've had to take out vision and stick with the vision, but pivot in, during the process. Um, it's definitely not easy, but it's been fun.
0: I'm always interested in the moments we remember and the ones that we forget and the unreliability of memory. I wanted this episode to be about Chanel and also paint a portrait of a distinct chapter in her life. When I mentioned this idea to Chanel, She was gracious enough with her time to capture fleeting impressions and experiences, some from her and some from her customers during the grand opening. The result is both a traditional interview. We sat down and recorded the conversation that you're about to hear, just as Chanel was closing up shop one day in December of 2020. You might catch the hum of refrigerators behind her. As well as clips from both Chanel and customers of the shop scattered throughout this episode. I hope you enjoy this one-of-a-kind experience. Think of it as an interview with an incredible new business owner, but also as a meditation on memory. Here's Chanel. Phone here. Uh, So to kick things off, Chanel, can I have you introduce yourself? Yes. Yes.
1: I am Chanel. I am one of the owners of Standard Port.
0: And can you tell me where you are right now?
1: I'm in the shop right now. We've closed our doors for the day. We close at 5 p.m. So I'm just hanging out here in the shop with you, Ashley.
0: I'm so excited to have this conversation with you uh, because we had a pre-conversation and I felt so much of your energy and your excitement. And I want to walk through what it was like to open Standard Poor because you're still really in the thick of it. So mm-hmm. how long has Standard Poor been open as of today, which is December 3rd? December
1: 3rd. So we opened our doors on October 15th. And so that is approximately six weeks, I want to say. Um, six weeks as of yesterday. Today is a Friday. And so that's how long our doors have been open.
0: Perfect. So I want to talk about some of these really like early moments of opening because I feel like we don't often get to capture them in real time. Often we reflect back on, oh, the good old days of like, when we were not sleeping at all and it's just starting and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but we don't really get to sit and, and, and catalog those moments. So I was wondering if you could walk me through... Well, we're going to do a little bit of time hopping here. Mm-hmm. But I was wondering if you could walk me through the night before the doors opened for the first time. How did you feel?
1: So it was an interesting experience because I assumed that the night before we opened, I would feel like pure bliss, pure excitement, but you're so in the moment of things that need to get done or need to be done in order to have the opening that you envision that you didn't even stop to think about that. So the night before literally... Or well, the day before, I remember stressing out. I remember calling Darlene and saying, well, maybe we shouldn't fully open up our doors. Maybe we should do it like this. And she said, no, She Chanel, we're going to open. We have to open. It's going to be fine. How can I ease your mind? Um, but I say all that to say that we, had, we were doing work in the, the store. We wanted to make sure things were organized. So we had a lot of cleaning to do and a lot of running around just to make sure we had the, the materials that we needed to, the next day. So that when our friends and family showed up for that soft opening, that we were able to really serve them in a way that we felt would represent us and the business um, positively. And so it was a long night. <laughs> we were tired. Definitely probably went to bed after 2 a.m., the next morning um but at the same time it was like i could never get i could never like pretend like this experience didn't happen i could never um never be great not be grateful for it because it's like when in life do you get to go through this like this is just and the reason that we're going through it is because we're opening our own business so that part of it and still is like the exciting the exciting part of, of the experience. But in the moment, it felt very stressful.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm so. sure. <laughs> so let's, let's jump back a little bit. And by a little bit, I mean, a little bit because you and Darlene, who's your business partner and your cousin mm-hmm. opened Standard Poor in about two months. Is that right?
1: Absolutely. Um, that is a 100% correct.
0: So what was that first conversation like with Darlene when I believe she presented this idea of like, let's open a business?
1: Yes. So I would say maybe the end of June, early July. um, So both of us live in Valley Stream where Standard Poor is located. And we live five minutes apart, maybe if that much, definitely in walking distance of each other. So she would come over, especially it's summertime. So it's nice outside and she would walk over And I remember us sitting talking and she's like, girl, I need to have a business. I need to open a business on Rockaway Avenue. Um, There's many opportunities here and I just it's time, you know, to have a business. So I took that opportunity to say, hey, me too. I'm very interested. You want to do something together? Like I am 100 percent into it. And, you know, I've had all these ideas over time. We talked through so many different like business ideas that we think or thought would be good for the area. Um, And so we said, okay, you do this work. I'll do this work. We'll come back together in about a week and see where we are. And a week came and a week went because we are also (laughs) working full time in our jobs. And we still are, by the way, um, as well as just life is happening. So I remember reaching out to her saying, hey, I know I was supposed to follow up about X, Y, and Z, but I've been busy. I'll get to it. She said, same here. I understand how it is. About a week later, um, she sends me a text. I remember seeing the text come through, but I couldn't read it at the moment. And then she calls me and she said, Hey, did you see my text? And I said, uh, yeah, but I didn't get a chance to open it. She said, no, open it. So the coffee shop that was really renowned in the neighborhood had closed their doors, maybe a a few weeks prior, they closed at the end of June and they were, uh, in Valley stream for nine years and definitely well-loved, well-received. And people were Very sad to see them close their doors. Um, But at the same time, the space went up for lease. A four lease line went up in the window. So when we saw that, we said, wow, this is an amazing opportunity to bring a coffee shop back because, like I said, it was well received. And many people were sad to see a coffee shop go, their space to hang out, their space to do work no longer available so we said well what if we or she suggested to me what if we kept it as a coffee shop but we also add a wine bar and I said oh my gosh that's a really cool idea because I really wanted to open a wine bar um and so we said okay let's put in our application and see what happens and this was maybe a Wednesday or a Thursday and we got approved for application by the Friday and the rest is history and that was the end of July uh, <laughs> and that's ever since wild. Yeah, that is wild. <laughs> and so we've just been on a roller coaster ride, a whirlwind of a ride since then. I am so absolutely proud of you, too.
0: The scenery, the ambience is to die for. I tell everybody, come and check it out. This is a place you want to be. That's that's wild to think that that happened so quickly because you hear of other coffee shops taking months, years mm-hmm. and it seems like within maybe what 10 days you went from Darlene coming up to you and saying I have to open a business to oh we have a lease like we're we're doing this.
1: Exactly. And that's exactly what I said up. This is really happening. Okay. So
0: what well, <laughs> So it seems like The story of Standard Poor is a lot of those like kind of happenstance moments, those moments of kismet where you meet somebody that, you know, you tell your story to and they're like, oh, I'm a baker or Mm -hmm. I'm a contractor or something like that. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about those two months and how things sort of fell into place for you.
1: Yeah. Um, so we just had to hit the ground running during research what are the things that we need to open a coffee shop? What does it take to open a coffee shop? Um, Understanding third wave coffee and the importance of it, because we knew we didn't want to just have um, the regular experience based on who we are and what we represent. We wanted more. Uh, And then figuring out, I remember we found this long list of like, what do you need to open a business in New York State? Go through this list. And literally, that's the list that we worked off of from figuring out what ins- inspections we needed, what things we had to have in the space um, to make sure that it's safe. Uh, every. Uh, uh, what is it? I don't know what to say if it's not it's not a bureau, but every. Every.
0: I think that's some sort of government right. organization exactly. has to approve stuff. Is that Exactly.
1: That we had to be in contact with for approval, um, knowing what the village requires for us to be able to open our doors, and then knowing what we wanted the shop to look like, how would we get it to transform, and then kind of like building out a timeline to get that done, and then everything else in between. So like what are we going to have to eat? Who's going to cook? What's that menu going to look like? Where's our coffee going to come from? What are our um, hours? Everything under the sun, we were just thinking about in real time at all times. Like it didn't stop. And it's like, we need to think about this. We need to think about this. Um, and so as you said, just how we have met everyone who has worked with us has been amazing. So, you know, running, running into our baker, or the way I met, I met the baker, I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but I had gone to another coffee shop And
0: uh, you're allowed to go to other (laughs) coffee
1: shops. (laughs) It was very early in the morning. Um, And so I had, you know, I started my, I'm working remotely right now due to COVID, but I was starting my workday, So I wanted to get a cup of coffee before my day started. And I walked into the shop, but I was like, how is somebody already in here? If I'm the, if the shop just opened, like I didn't see anyone walking the door. I'm the first customer. And so I'm speaking to the barista about, you know, the options for pastries. And he's like, oh, yeah, meet our baker. I said, this is your baker? And then I started speaking to her and I was like, oh, hi, nice to meet you. And said, the energy that we exchanged was amazing. And I said, well, you know what? I am actually looking for a baker. I didn't go into much detail and we exchanged information. And then when I eventually was able to speak to her at another point in time, it's just everything that she was able to do was everything that we were looking for. And then when, once we tasted her, uh, she'd sampled her scones for us her cranberry orange scones, which is stable on our menu right now. We were like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like, we can't make this stuff up. Like how does a baker just land in your lap who bakes really well? Um, so that's Warberry Cakes, uh, her, name is, her name is Odetta. So that was just an amazing experience of how that came to be. Um, even with the, our contractor, we, we talked to different firms. We, we knew exactly what we wanted. We had an idea for the space, how we wanted to transform the space. Um, and then I remember a contracting company coming in and, you know, we walked through everything we wanted to do, from top to bottom. And the quote we got back was insane. We we're like, wait, what? How How is a small business supposed to pay for that? Um, and I remember having a moment of stress and I remember Darlene saying, what's going to happen? But this is how you learn to appreciate the people in your life and your friends, because she had a friend who came in to put up our emergency lights. And when he came, he brought another friend with him who he also works with. And in talking to that friend, he said, oh, my father does work. And I don't know how Ashley, I wasn't even the one who had the conversation with him. Darlene was. And when she told me the story, I said, Darlene, I have a feeling that This is going to work out. Um, So his dad, his name is Alex, is the one who did all the work on this space for us. And that is just like we happen to. And I mean, honestly, like in a way that has been affordable for us, in a way that has been manageable for us. And he brought so many ideas to the table that has been so helpful to what we envision that you can't make this stuff up. And then the same friend with the floodlights and the sun and some other friends that Darlene has painted the entire space for us. And so again, if we had to go to a large company for that, I mean, it will just be a different experience. And so the type of care that they put into it because they know it's for friends, and they know, you know, and they're very good at what they do. um, It's just, if I told someone like this, this is how everything fell into place, I, like, I wouldn't be making it up, you know, and I don't know if people will believe. I mean, people do believe it, but it's just very hard to believe that it wasn't harder, I guess, in, in getting us started.
0: I think that there's a power, though, to everything you just said of just saying things out loud and not necessarily knowing that, com- that the community can meet your need because maybe they can't but you never really know right until you say it out loud so having these conversations with members of your community it totally makes sense that people would come out of the woodwork who you maybe didn't know Mm -hmm. and were like actually i do this or actually i do that Mm -hmm. which is incredible and um i'm i'm a big proponent of just saying things out loud because you never know what will happen and it seems like this is a perfect example of that actually happening and working out really well
1: I 100%, I'm a big believer of manifesting um, great things and that they will come and like recognizing that we deserve (laughs) um, these things. So it's not like we shouldn't, it shouldn't come our way. Right. And I think that oftentimes you, you expect life to be extremely hard at all times or to, to think about opening a business, like the idea of opening a business, it just seems like an insurmountable task. And now that I'm here, I'm like, it's not impossible. It definitely is challenging. It has a lot of stresses that come with it, but nothing that I would trade in at the moment um, for 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 having this business, um so yeah, I- that's awesome mm-hmm.
0: uh, I wanted to ask you about because we're talking about things moving so quickly, and we're talking about how everything sort of fell into place. But you were also really careful about the decisions you made. You didn't just go into partnerships with vendors without carefully considering who is this person and why do I want to work with them? So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that process of making decisions, because I imagine there must have been a lot of pressure to move quickly, but you also want to keep the integrity of the space and keep the, you know, the integrity of your vision.
1: Absolutely. Um, And so while we had a very short turnaround time in opening our doors, we still knew knew, or still know that we weren't just going into business to make quick money. Um, To have this opportunity as two young Black women is very important to us. And what was more important is that the message that we show or send, the experience that we cultivate, represents that, Um, that we are about supporting other Black-owned businesses, supporting other women, supporting locally, because we are from Long Island, we are from Valley Stream, and then about quality across the board. And so even from obviously the biggest um, partnership we have is with our roaster, right? We are a coffee shop. And in making that selection, we had a few, like maybe five roasters on the table that we were interested in. And then naturally, those that fell off the table fell off the table on their own. So we were down to tr- two roasters. One was local, went to Long Island. And the other is who our roaster is, counterculture coffee. And, you know, we really took time beyond going to tastings or cu- and cuppings um, and just making sure... I mean, once we did our research about how the beans are sourced and all those things, making sure that it's ethically done, uh, it became a question of where do we see an opportunity to like really do well as a small business, as women, as black women. And, and recognizing that, hey, listen, counterculture coffee is not a black owned business. Counterculture coffee is a corporate business, a white owned business, but that doesn't mean that we don't and cannot support and make sure that this partnership can work well on both ends, right? And I'm a firm believer in life that everyone has an opportunity to choose. So as much as we were choosing them for everything that they had to offer, they are also choosing to work with us. And I mean, it has been um, a wonderful experience to date. So definitely no regrets there. And then the coffee is delicious, it's amazing. Um, and, you know, that, that partnership was very important to us. Um, then, Meeting our baker, Odetta, with Warberry Cakes. She is local to Valley Stream. She is a woman. She is a Black woman. Um, Fancy Confections, which is, her name is Lady Ashley. She makes our desserts. I mean, she really tries to pair our desserts to match our specialty drinks. So right now we have a white chocolate pistachio blondie. Um, that matches our uh, pistachio rose chocolate latte on our menu, which is actually really cool. And then she just brought this week, she brought these eggnog um, cupcakes with these gingerbread men in it, which is really fun because we have a specialty latte called punch de creme. I know I'm kind of going off course here, but I
0: no, I'm, I'm into it.
1: Because this is also important to us as, as, as um, cousins, Darlene and I, our family is from Trinidad and Tobago, which is in the Caribbean. And One of our, another part of our vision was to make sure that we are honoring our culture um, through our menu as much as we can. So while we're not a Caribbean restaurant, we want to make sure we're infusing um, our Caribbean flavors where we can. So our punch de creme latte is a December special because punch de creme is a creamy drink. If you wanted to compare it, it's similar to eggnog, it's similar to Coquito but it is typically an alcohol-based drink um, with milk and spices. And so we're building our latte on that concept. Um, so it doesn't have alcohol, but it has everything else. Um, and so Ashley built the cupcake to kind of go along with that latte. And she, Darlene had already worked with her in the past. Um, and once again, a Black woman-based um, business. So that's, uh, oh, and then, oh my God, I can't believe it. And our tea. So as much research we put into doing, to getting coffee, we put in that same research for our tea. And so we landed on Brooklyn Tea and they're again local. They're Brooklyn based, which is in New York. Um, They're also a black owned business, a black couple. And Jamila has been amazing uh, working with her. But Brooklyn Tea, what really stood out to us, the teas smell amazing. All of their teas are loose leaf teas. Um, It's just a wonderful palate experience. And to be able to carry Brooklyn tea in our store is an honor for us. And we really took a lot of their styling. So when you go into their store in Brooklyn, they have their teas in these small glass jars where customers are able to smell the tea and really uh, see the ingredients and the benefits of the tea. So we did a similar setup. We did some glass jars as well. And we have the labels that tells you what's in each tea. you get to smell the tea if you'd like, and you know, and then you, customers love waiting because it's, they can see their tea steeping and, and pulling all the flavors out of the leaves as opposed to quickly like throwing it in a, in a tea bag and you're on your way. If that's how you want it, if you're in a rush, you may absolutely get it that way, but you know, we really get to extract the flavors that way. So that's really just a quick bit on some of our vendors. Some of this, <laughs> I have the salmon, the smoked salmon, smoked salmon, Avocado
0: toast to die for. I got to take a picture with the uh, chef.
1: The latte. And which one is this? The, the.
0: pistachio. The pistachio. Chocolate. Rose chocolate. It was recommended. Everybody needs to get a cup.
1: And I can't forget our chef. So our chef, Dwayne Daniel, and his assistant chef, was sous-chef, Rhea Aline, Um, But again, this is how things have just happened in this process. So one morning I'm getting ready to work remotely and open my laptop. And I'm like, we've been talking like, gosh, we need someone to cook. We need a chef. We need need a chef. Where are we going to get a chef? And it hit me. I was like, I know somebody. I know someone who cooks. Um, And I called him. I had reached out to him. Actually, I didn't have his number. I reached out to a friend who had his number. I said, hey, I want to reach out to him. I know he cooks. You know can i get his number so i reached out to him and he was on board from the inception and the beauty of it is that we were able to sit down the three of us he darlene and myself and really talk about what we wanted the menu to look like and the flavors that we wanted to come out with and he said as long as you allow me the creativity it will be great and when i tell you like the timeline has was tight we, we had all these plans for a tasting and everything that never happened it was just kind of show time and since day one Everyone has raved about everything on the menu. So kudos to Dwayne for really um, holding the kitchen down and to Raya for doing an amazing job with him.
0: That's so cool. It's really incredible to see how proud you are of the vendors that you feature, which seems kind of like an obvious statement that you would be proud of the people that you feature. But it's yeah. not always a given, especially... If you're not clear on your vision, if you're not like, Mm -hmm. I want to do things with intention and I want to do things well and I want to give care to the things that I decide to put in this coffee shop, um, which is really incredible. And I want to talk a little bit about that first day that you opened. So we kind of did a little bit of time jumping. We went from the night before you opened, then we talked about some of the time before that. And now we're at that first opening day. And I was wondering if you could talk about some of the feelings you felt as you saw your friends and family come in and experience the space that you've built
1: yes it's it's surreal um and so i'm talking about our soft opening which was in october but then when i think about the same feelings i, I when i think about the feeling um it was very similar on our grand opening day which was november 5th november 14th so just about a month later and I had to, you, you take a moment where you sit back and I, you know, I don't cry in front of people, but it was an emotional moment to recognize that all, all these people are here to support us. You know, they didn't just happen to walk by, oh, there's a coffee shop, this is cool. They're here to support Darlene and myself and they want to see us grow. They want to see us thrive. And on top of that, as your friends and family, you know, they'll always support you. But to know that they love the products that you're putting out is really even more amazing. And they're not saying that to say that because their family and their friends they are very candid. Our family is very real. And they'll tell you in a second if something needs improvement. And while we appreciate that, and that's what we wanted from the soft opening, that real feedback, they just genuinely were happy to be here to support us. And so the feeling that I have, is hard to put into words, but just to know that People are here to celebrate you um, is amazing. And as I was telling you in our pre-conversation, I'm very modest. Like I have my friends telling other people like, you know, she opened a coffee shop because I wouldn't talk about it. And I know that might not be the best for business, um, but you need them in these moments and you need to recognize that and be grateful. And for me, it was it's just like to know in those moments that these people are here because they love us. And they support us and they want to see us do well. It's just um, amazing. Today is our grand opening. And I don't know. I think I've just taken putting out the pastries under my wing since our soft opening. And so I'm very particular about it every time. Um, So if I'm able to, I will always put them out. But today, we have so many pastries. We have gluten-free. We have vegan Plus, we have our usual baked goods by Warberry Cakes and Fancy Confections. It's so much, and this is taking so long to put out. It's like an hour, but it looks so good. We have these new display, um, not cases, but they're like nice slate with some glass domes. So I'm really excited about it because it's like an upgrade from what we've been using. So this is exciting. Plus, we have these risers, but my goodness, it's taking so long.
0: I think you talked earlier in this conversation about how smooth the process was of opening and you talked about deserving it like you you have this perception of it's a business and it's supposed to be hard and you almost go into this moment of like self doubt like can I do this or Mm -hmm. do I even deserve this Mm -hmm. and recognizing that yes I do deserve it. it is okay if this is easy because I, I'm, I'm, I'm allowed this. It sh- it doesn't always have to be hard. And I imagine some of those similar feelings must've come when you opened your doors. And even afterwards, when you're talking about, you know, maybe not talking as much about the coffee shop. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder, since you describe yourself as a very modest person, I wonder if this experience has changed anything about you and doesn't just have to be about modesty, but one of the things I wrote down before we hopped on this call was that you're a subtle perfectionist um, and you talked a little bit about learning flexibility. So I was wondering throughout this process, like how have you seen yourself change?
1: Yeah, it's, it's definitely been a challenge in that sense. Um, And I've never thought of myself as a perfectionist. You know, I'm always that person that can see things from multiple perspectives and understand that things will not always go as planned, et cetera, et cetera but never realized how hard I am on myself. So when I'm putting out something, it has to look and feel a certain way. And so, you know, Darlene and I knew what our vision was, is we knew what it, we wanted our space to look like. And um, she, already have, have, she already has a business of her own. So she, I think she would have gone through these experiences before. And so this is my first time. And even though her business is very different from Standard poor, a coffee shop, she knew what it meant to own your business, to be an entrepreneur and knowing how to pivot and think on your feet in the moment. So I'm this person that like, I need the structure. We have to have a schedule. This is what every week is gonna look like and we're gonna meet at this time every week. And if we say we're gonna do A, B, and C, it has to look like A, B, and C. But being in this process, I've learned to recognize that C might come before A. You might not even ever get to A or A may look like A and a half, whatever that may mean. Um, And so I've had to learn to to know that I don't have to sacrifice sacrifice or compromise the integrity of what I wanna do nor the quality of it but I have to be able to change from what I originally planned because circumstances just offer themselves up differently. And being able to be flexible in those moments and to pivot in those moments are, are, is what will allow me to be more successful. And so I've been able to do that, such that going from the soft opening to the grand opening and just the, the anxiety that I had <laughs> before the soft opening um, was definitely different from the grand opening. And just learning to relax more and be in the moment more, and knowing that we have put in the work. That, like you said before, and I've said before, we deserve to it, it, to have this experience, and it's okay. Like where where we want to see the shop, it will come, and we are working towards that. Um, but it's just it'll come how it's supposed to happen, and I can't make it happen um, or control the things that I cannot control, and embracing that and allowing that to be I must say congratulations Darlene and Chanel. you all have done an awesome job putting this cafe in a beautiful neighborhood the food is truly delicious the ambience is breathtaking all the best enjoy and continue to grow with the business love you girls
0: so you have the soft opening that's when you have your friends and your family coming to check out the place and you get this outpouring of love and support, which is incredible. And then you have the grand opening, which is about a month later, which welcomes probably a different subset of people, like people in the neighborhood, people who are maybe excited to see the coffee shop open again. And I was wondering what it was like to get feedback from people that you didn't know. What was it like when you started hearing from other folks about what Standard Poor meant to them or their experiences there?
1: Man, that is, that's the wildest part of all of this, right? Because like I said, your friends and family, they're here to show up for you. They'll always support you. But strangers to just have such amazing things to say, like that's just the wildest part. Like I know myself and I will show up as the same person in every entity of my life. So I'm genuine to people, but you don't always expect that. Like, why would you care about, us you know um and while it's very important to us to cultivate an amazing customer service experience the way our customers have been so genuine um have been so excited to see our success so excited to see us in the neighborhood um to have another coffee shop that they can come to that they can sit and they can work and then to enjoy our coffee our food I mean, the, the, positive, the positive feedback is amazing. I remember the grand opening day. So we have this one customer, her name is Crystal. I remember meeting Crystal because once we opened for our soft opening, we would open thereafter. But what we would do is every week we would slowly roll out new menu items, try new things, see how they would be received um, until we got to our grand opening where our menu for our coffee bar is pretty much set. And met Crystal. Crystal has so much energy, um, so amazing. Ready to see our success on day one. She shows up the day of the grand opening with a bouquet of flowers, like Chanel. Oh my God, congratulations! And I'm like, what? Thank you, Crystal. Crystal, you it's seven, it's eight o'clock in the morning. So you thought about us. You thought about me to go and buy flowers to come and say here, congratulations on your grand opening. And so it's things like that that you can't make up. And even if and we've had so many positive reviews and experiences um and even if something doesn't go the way that we would have liked or for a cu- uh, the way a customer would have liked the way that they reach out to us to tell us about it has been so kind um and you don't always get that you know it's in this day and age people are so quick to go and slander and you know just like see things from one perspective and they've just been so kind they will say you know my customer service experience was this But this also is something else that I experienced that could be better. And obviously, you know, our immediate response is to make sure that they are satisfied. But even in that realm, like to to get negative, I don't want to call it negative, to get feedback in such a positive light um, has just been amazing.
0: What does it mean for you and your cousin who are from Valley Stream? who are women, who are black women, to open this business here, now, where you are?
1: I think what it means is so much greater um, than many people can imagine. As black people, to be able to open this business that's patronized by everyone is first and foremost, like something you can only dream of. And that's when you get to the point in your life where you realize you do deserve these things. Because as much as I have wanted a business and wanted to have my own, it's not that it seemed unattainable, but it did seem unattainable. And so now to be here, um, it means so much than just, I have a business around the corner from my house. It sets a precedence Um, It sets an example. It creates an opportunity for our family. It creates an opportunity for our community. Um, It's bigger than just a coffee shop. It has so much more meaning. It, It is now part of our legacy. I mean, opening this business is more than just a coffee shop for us. For us, it's a message. For us, it's a dream come true, and for us, it like proves to Darlene and I that we could do this, and so this is just only the beginning and that's literally really, literally what it is for us, only the beginning.
0: Why did you want to open a business? I'm curious to know more about that um
1: me personally i'm not I don't want to work <laughs> for someone else for the rest of my life, but I think bigger than that um we wanted to open a business to have something of our own to have something to keep in the family um and like i mentioned before to be able to create an opportunity for other people like ourselves and to create an opportunity in our own neighborhood um and to be able to do all those things like we didn't have to go to another town we're from here and to have this opportunity here we want a business because we know what we want to offer to people. We know what we want to experience. And so to be able to create that vision and make it come to life, uh, why not?
0: I feel like we touched on a lot of different themes, but I think the one that was maybe the most unexpected to me, which I'm excited about, I, this is why I love interviewing, <laughs> is this idea of deserving and worth. And knowing that I do deserve these things, no matter how easy or hard they come, and I'm wondering, like, as you're sitting here in this coffee shop, like, I'm interviewing you while you're sitting there after the doors are closed. Mm-hmm. Um, what does it feel like to look around and think, I built this. Like, this happened because me and my cousin had an idea, and it it is here. It is physically here.
1: If i've actually sat in that as yet like i don't think i've really sat in it and i'm 100 percent grateful i'm i show gratitude every day i have my affirmations i say my prayers um i don't know if i know the magnitude of what we have here just yet and i say that because it's still like unbelievable like i can't believe it but and then it's so funny i mean we and then we've also been blessed with like great staff, great baristas, great servers. And they sit there and they say, well, you know, Chanel, you're my boss. You know, darling, you guys are my boss. And I'm like, wait, what? I'm, I'm your boss. And, you know, while I do hold a leadership position in um, my career, it's still like, wow, this is mine. Like, this is mine. So even when we're stressing over the things and the behind the scenes, we're like, well, we have no one to turn to. This is ours. But I'm sitting here like, This is my business. It doesn't belong to someone else. It's not for someone else. It's for us. And I think it's a transition period in my life, realizing because all my life and all my jobs, it's for someone else. When you're a child, when I was young, I'm working towards pleasing my parents and then working towards creating. Um, getting my education and creating a career for myself. And then I go and I work for someone else. Um, And while I value all the work that I have done in my life to bring to this place and still the work that I'm still doing, it's like, now is the time. Like now is my time. Now is our time. Um, And this belongs to us. So that's an amazing experience. And you don't even realize the example that you set for other people um, and so even for our staff who, for the majority we've known for the six weeks or it's actually seven weeks that we've been open, the value that we are to them is just amazing. And I'm not saying that from a standpoint of like overconfidence or anything, but just to know and recognize the example that we set for them and how powerful that is. And like,
0: right. The idea hmm. that this is possible for them.
1: Yeah, right. And just to know, and I think another part of it is they know our vision and I think they are excited to be part of that and they want to see us do well as, as well.
0: So we've done a lot of time hopping in this. We started with the night before you opened. We talked about planning Standard Poor. So let's, let's bring it all back to the future. Mm-hmm. So what do you hope the future looks like for you?
1: Um, The future of Standard Poor, um, I look forward to how we blossom. I look forward to um, how we become a full thriving business um, with our wine bar, with our brunch, uh, a bustling space for everyone to just come and enjoy working here, eating here, hanging out here. Um, And I'm just excited to see us become a staple, you know, like everyone talks about standing poor, but now they're not talking about us as the new business in town. Um, but rather like a place where they can always come to and feel comfortable and ex- and look forward to being here and that we know everybody by name. Like we wanted to kind of be like chairs in the sense that everyone knows your name and everyone feels comfortable when they come. Um, and then we also just love the fact that we can bring a little bit out of, of ourselves out in this business. Um, For myself or for Darlene and I, I I think the future holds a lot for us when it comes to where knowing how much, knowing that we did this, where we're gonna take ourselves and like where our dreams have now been just taken further. So it's like, okay, we attained this goal. We showed ourselves that we are able to put in the work and the follow through to attain this goal. So how much more can we do? And how much more can we do together?
0: Is there anything else that you want people to know about you or about Standard Poor?
1: Um, we're here to stay. We're looking forward to the longevity of our business, and we're looking forward to creating and stamping our 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 identity um, for everyone. And we hope that they'll enjoy it. Woohoo! That's a wrap, folks. Grand opening is a success.
0: That was Chanel County, co-founder of Standard Poor in Long Island. You can learn more about Standard Poor by visiting their website www.standardpoorli.com or follow them on Instagram at LI. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. I'm just looking for a better day. Boss Barista is produced by me, Ashley Rodriguez. You can find a transcription of this episode on my newsletter, along with an accompanying article about this episode every Thursday at bossbarista.substack.com. To support the show, you can visit www.patreon.com slash We have over 80 patrons supporting the show right now, which is incredible. And that helps keep the show alive. We pay guests through this fund, we pay for website hosting, and we make donations. Half of our patron donations are currently pledged to five different nonprofits, each at $50 a month. Asada's Daughters, the Loveland Foundation, the Native American Rights Fund, the Grocery Run Club, and the Chicago Community Bond Fund. Again, if you want to support Boss Barista, consider making a monthly donation at www.patreon.com bossbarista Another amazing way to support the show is to share this episode with just one person, a friend, someone who you think would learn something from this episode, anybody. Sharing on social media is also a huge help along with giving us a five-star review on Apple iTunes. As a small production, these things matter a lot. So if you can take a little time, share out some of your favorite quotes from this episode, and tag us, that would be amazing. We're at Boss Barista Podcast on Instagram and Boss underscore Barista on Twitter. You can also send me an email at bossbaristapodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening.